The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are going to talk about Badger head coaches. We are going to rank who would be the best options for the Wisconsin Badgers. We're also going to discuss the disappointing end to the Milwaukee Brewers season as they are eliminated last night by the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll talk about where it all went wrong. Christian Yelich's comments, Brandon Woodruff's comments. I think it was all really interesting. And where do we go from here? We'll talk a lot more about the Brewers this week and beyond. Um, also, we'll explain how none of the Packers media actually listened to my podcast, which is a little offensive by, but we'll get into that um, in the third segment. And then lastly, as part of Chuck's Corner, we're going to talk about an all-time fuck-up with Cops Frozen Custard. Before we get going, I uh, just want to tell you guys to make sure you're following on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. This will be the first time, speaking of social, this will be the first time ever in the review history. So I started doing reviews in 2020. Um, it was just one of those things that I thought could get me some more likes, give me some more follows. Uh, just was a cool thing that I, I kind of, I wouldn't say I borrowed, but I saw other people doing similar shit. And so I started to do it in 2020. And it's the first time that my team will not make the playoffs. That is absolutely fucking wild. That we have no reviews for a team in the playoffs. We have meaningless games, which will be the two, the Diamondbacks games this week. I mean, we've had a couple here and there, but they have there haven't been much. So it will uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting thing. So make sure you're following along on that. Um, also, uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. If you're already subscribed to the podcast or not subscribed to the podcast, go subscribe, get into it, whether you're a fan of the Packers, the Brewers, the Badgers, uh, we have it all, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Marquette Golden Eagles. Um, we're going to try to talk a little bit more about Badger basketball. I'm going to at least attempt it, okay? I, I can't make any promises. I can't tell you that it's going to be something we'll talk about a lot. I'm sure, certainly not going to do a lot of social clips around Badger basketball because, again, I'm not a fan of those teams, and I, I probably will do yet another um, explainer on that um, heading into the season on social media. But I'll at least try to talk more about Badger basketball. So uh, I want to make sure I'm hitting everybody um, and we're having discussions. And if I want to be Wisconsin sports guy, I got to I gotta talk about everything. So that's and – that, and I'm different than a lot of people because I do that, not just one sport. So anyways – Let's talk about the Badger Badger football, not Badger basketball. Let's talk about the Badger football team. Let's rank the coaches from guys I want to guys I'm not really fond of or have no interest in. All right, so the Badger coaching carousel is on. Um, Everybody has their articles every time there is a coaching change. There has to be a carousel article that follows, um, whether it's CBS and Tom Fernelli, whether it was the Badger writer for the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation blog, or whether it was Bruce Feldman, all of them have ideas, okay? And I've said it before, but I'll say it again, that I am a slut for the coaching carousel. Like, I love the coaching carousel. Like, if I could make an OnlyFans just for coaching carousel, I probably would do it. I like that and schedules. That's the stuff that I kind of nerd out on, that I'll, I'll look at and be like, oh, who could they hire? What's the consequence if they hired this guy? Like, how could that change the landscape of basketball or football? I mean, even in pro sports too. Like, I, pro sports coaching carousels are not as exciting as college carousels because college carousels feature just crazy fucking fans. But I still think that there are, are things to be excited about with a coaching carousel in the professional sports as well. 
So yes, I think they're a big deal. I enjoy them greatly. Um, so yes, the fact that a team I cheer for, the Badgers, are involved with the coaching carousel, I am a huge fan of and a huge proponent of. Granted, this coaching carousel could be kind of not as exciting as maybe the LSU coaching carousel. That will soon come when Brian Hartson loses his job. Or the Nebraska coaching carousel that will hit full steam ahead come November or December. Those coaching carousels are fi figured to be exciting. But Jim Leonard, who is my number one choice, will likely get the Wisconsin job as long as Wisconsin plays better and shows a pulse. If Wisconsin looks the part, if Wisconsin looks like a team that belongs in the Big Ten, Jim Leonard is going to be the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, and he is going to lead the Badgers forward and going to be anointed as one of the best young coaches in college football. Now, there is no evidence that Jim Leonard is going to be great, but I will say another guy, and there are a few other guys on this list. We won't spoil it. There are a few other guys on the list of if Leonard doesn't work out who kind of fit the Leonard prototype, who were great defensive coordinators, and then they elevated themselves to being pretty good to great head coaches. So I think that that is an important distinction here that I, I think matters. Like I, I really do. And I think that there is something about Jim Leonard that will bring the kind of the Badger community together too. Like he has a little bit more personality than Paul Chris. I don't think he has shown it as much, but I think Leonard would do a TikTok or he'd do an Instagram thing for the marketing program. Like I do think he's going to market the program a lot better than Paul Chris. And I think that is a major component when they're thinking about the coaching, not just on the field, but off the field. How do you market the badge? How do you sell the badge? How do you make it look like it is a cool place to go? And I think that's something that Wisconsin has lacked in the last couple of years. And I think it's really affected them in the NIL era. And so will Leonard bring, you know, a new offense to the table, right? He'll be the first defensive coach since Brent Bielema. Um, and Brett Bielema was very successful. Um, so can he bring, you know, a young offensive coordinator into the mix as well, who basically is not going to run the exact same things as Paul Christ? Now, Bobby Ingram likely to keep his job. I just wonder, will we see diff a different offense against Northwestern or Michigan State in the next couple of weeks? So I, I do believe that Jim Leonard is going to keep this job as long as it doesn't go off the rails for Wisconsin. How does Jim Leonard not keep this job, you ask? I think if the Badgers go 5-7, and seven, I think that is a surefire way to say, all right, Leonard's not the guy. He's only a defensive coordinator, and I have an innovative idea with my number two candidate um, that I'll get to in here in a second if that does happen. So if Leonard goes 5-7, and seven, um, I think then, yeah, you have to say, all right, well, Jim's not the guy. And it'd be a hard sell to the Badger fan base to be like, all right, yeah, we are going to use Jim Leonard even though he finished out three and four to start his college coaching career. Now, some could say that is a small sample, but I'd argue that the Badgers should be favored or it should be a close spread in every game going forward. Like there is no game, maybe Minnesota is the only one where the Badgers are going to be underdogs the rest of the way. Nebraska, maybe, depending on how Nebraska plays the rest of the year. But, and I guess, but like they're all gonna be close. Like Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, all three of those, those spreads are going to be within three points, likely. And maybe the Badger are favored, maybe the Badgers aren't. But so I look at that and I say, all right, they should easily, you know, finish out the season six and six, 
seven and five. Like they they should go to a bowl game. There are enough bowl games to go around academically. If Badgers are five and seven, maybe they fit into a bowl because there's not enough six and six teams. I think eight and four would be wildly ambitious, but it's not it's not out of the question, right? It's like where where is the next Badger loss if you're asking yourself? And we talked about it yesterday, so I don't want to be a, a dead horse, but like yeah, maybe Purdue, maybe Maryland. Maryland, I mean, has improved this year dramatically. Maybe it's Iowa on the road. I mean, those are always dogfights. That's probably going to be a 10-7 football game. So who knows, right? But could can the Badgers be more buttoned up? They've been uncharacteristically sort of lackadaisical in the last few years of Paul Christ. And if that gets cleaned up, will that suddenly make this team better? Will Graham Mertz try to do a little bit less and not force the ball every time there's an obvious passing down situation? Will they get more creative? Like, there are a lot of questions I have for Jim Leonard, but if Jim Leonard checks a majority of these boxes, including winning, he will be the coach. And unless he doesn't want it, unless he's like, this was too much for me, I prefer to be a defensive coordinator. If Leonard does say that, or if he goes five and seven and the Badgers say, look, we want to keep you on staff, but we want an actual head coach. Like, we just don't think you're ready to be a head coach. If you go somewhere else to take a head coaching job, whether a MAC program or a Sunbelt program, or, or you decoordinate at somewhere else, like a floor, I just example Florida State. I know they they wanted Leonard last year or the year prior or Texas or somewhere else. Like if you want to go be a big time defensive coordinator and get a bunch of money, we're not going to stop you. But if you want to come back with another coach, an offensive minded coach, maybe it's more of a co coaching thing than it is, you know, he, you're his subordinate. Sean Lewis is my number two. Yes, not Lance Leibold. Lance Leibold is not even number three, by the way. It is Sean Lewis. I like Sean Lewis a lot. Sean Lewis, 36-year-old, former tight end from Kent State. He's younger than Jim Leonard. Um, he's actually only three years older, two years older than me, uh, which is fucking nuts. But Sean Lewis has it rolling at Kent State. Now, I know they're only 21 and 27, but Kent State also does not play a weak non-conference. They played Georgia, Washington, Oh, they played somebody else. That's on tip of my tongue. But they played. They played a Oklahoma. They played an extremely hard non-conference schedule. They competed with Washington. They competed with Georgia. They didn't compete with Oklahoma. But like they're not afraid of anybody. Uh, Sean Lewis runs a very up-tempo offense that I think would be innovative for Wisconsin. Right. Um, something that I think Badger fans have never seen. Um, and it'd be really interesting to see how Lewis would implement that. And I think he can have success. I know sometimes Matt coaches don't always correlate to power five, but I do think that Sean Lewis would have support here. I think it would add a new element to what the Badgers are trying to do. And I think it would just be a step in a different direction, not necessarily a wrong direction or a right direction, just a different direction, just doing something different. And if it doesn't work, okay. You don't pay him a ton of money. You know, he, it probably won't take a ton to get him there. I'm sure his buyout is like nothing. So I'm sure you could get Sean Lewis rather cheaply. And then if it doesn't work out in three or four years, reset and then get another recruiting class in. And I think the only fear would be is if, would Lewis make them too small, right? Would it not necessarily be that small? And how can you sell a guy who's 21 and 27 overall as a head coach. Now we'll see how Kent State does the rest of the year. Yes, that would be a tough sell. But I do think as a former Badger, as someone bringing something completely different than what Wisconsin does, I don't think there would be calls of, oh, this is another Gary Anderson. 
So I, I'm curious. I, I really like Sean Lewis. I, he's also really liked in the media. Not that that matters, but like he gets himself out there. I know Kent State just did a whole – their coaching staff did a whole podcast with CBS Sports. So like Kent State wants to be known, okay? So I, I think they've done a good job of building their program up. So that's why I have Sean Lewis number three on my list. Or number two, excuse me. Number three is Dave Aranda. So I do not have – again, no Lance Leibold. He's going to come here in a second, but – it, this would mean that Leonard would leave. This would mean that Leonard wouldn't be a part of the coaching staff. But I, Dave Aranda, I love. Like I, I, Baylor is a team I root for. I like Baylor um, basically just because of Aranda. I think Aranda does such a good job. I know that they lost Oklahoma State over the weekend. But I, I really do think that Aranda has a good thing going at Baylor. And he took that program from the depths of hell with Art Bryles and he rebuilt them into a winner. I felt like LSU should have hired Aranda. I think the only problem with Aranda is he is very similar to Paul Crest in the fact that he has 0.0 personality. But he's done a better job of selling his program, I think, in the last few years than Paul Crist. I also think Aranda would have interest in a Big Ten job because the Pac Big 12 is going to be expanding with BYU and Cincinnati. But I still don't think the Big 12 is at the same level of the Big Ten or the SEC at this point. So I think if Aranda gets asked about a Big 12, a Big Ten job, he has to at least consider it. If I was Nebraska, I would try to hire Dave Aranda. Like I, I think Dave Aranda is a, a good fucking coach and he runs an awesome defense. And I think he was the only bright spot of the Gary Anderson era in at Wisconsin. Number four is Lance Leibold. Okay, so Lance Leibold is the hot name. Uh, if you're Kansas, you have to be so fucking pissed that this happened, right? Lance Leipold is has built a winner at Kansas. Game day is at Kansas for TCU Kansas on Saturday. Everyone keeps waiting for Kansas to lose a football game. Kansas talks about how they were disrespected. Like I watched that Gene Mojahowski thing, and I was like, okay, we are wagering on the Kansas plus three there, and we're gonna put them in a money line parlay. Like they they're not losing. Like they they feel like they have the ultimate chip on their shoulder. They were picked last. They are one win away from bowl eligibility, which is absolutely fucking crazy but Kansas has been one of the best stories in college football and now it gets diluted because everybody wants their coach because Lance Leopold has built winners everywhere he is from Jefferson Wisconsin he did coach at Wisconsin Whitewater he actually never really coached with Badger he was a grad assistant he actually has more ties to Nebraska than he does Wisconsin but I just wonder if Nebraska a would be too much pressure for him like he seems like a kind of guy that doesn't necessarily want to deal with the bullshit that Nebraska brings. Like Nebraska brings a lot of bullshit. And I I just don't know if that's something Lance wants to deal with. Um, I could see him also not necessarily leaving Kansas if Kansas wants to pay him. Remember, they pay Bill Self, right? They gave Bill Self a lot of fucking money and Bill Self has not left. And if he feels like he can build Kansas up to be 1B with their basketball team. They'll never be 1A. Like Kansas basketball, I mean, they just won a national championship. Like Kansas basketball is is a, a staff, they're blue blood, right? You're not going to probably get past the blue blood in there, but you can be on the same level and you can make sure that you're recruiting guys in, you know, the fashion that you are and continue to sort of build on it. Again, there is the fear of, hey, maybe you're not going to be a part of the Big Ten, but I will say what's interesting here now, now that, and this isn't something that I've heard a lot about, and we could dive into this in another topic, like not to blow up our Badger coaching power rankings here, but if Kansas continues to play good football, 
and continues to show themselves as a solid football school, is there a potential that Kansas could make a case for the Big Ten? The Big Ten looks at Kansas and says, okay, you're not the mediocre football program that we thought you were, and we're going to add you because that adds to our basketball profile. It's really interesting because there was a rumor out there when the realignment stuff happened with UCLA and USC over the summer that Kansas was going to join the Big East as part of basketball, and then their football team would go independent. Now, if those rumors are still there, I do wonder if that's a reason why Leopold would go to a Wisconsin or Nebraska. I personally think Nebraska is more his dream job than Wisconsin. I think Badger fans do not want to hear that. But I also wonder about his age. He's an old guy. He's older than Paul Chris. Like, that has to factor in, right? He's not a guy that you could probably hitch your wagon to for the next 10 years. He's probably a guy for the next five to seven. And then he goes and retires in Jefferson, Wisconsin. At some point, the last job for Lance will be his cash-out job, and he'll be able to sit comfortably on that, whatever it may be. And the pressure will increase, but he's built winners at every single program. It's hard to deny his success, and it's hard not to pull for Kansas. I mean, we've talked about it. They're definitely a team, and actually that would be a great segment of teams to root for that since the Badgers are kind of out of out of the mix. All right, the last guy. At number five is Dave Doran uh, of NC State. Dave Doran to me would be a nice choice. I think that it's an, I don't want to say it's uninspired because I think Dave Doran is a really good coach at NC State. I just don't think the casual fan knows who Dave Doran is. And they would be like, ah, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. This guy is, you know, he's, who, who is Dave Doran, right? But he was a Badgers defensive coach. He then went to Northern Illinois. He was good at Northern Illinois. He went to NC State. He's been good at NC State. But as someone pointed out, it might have been Tom Fernelli. Like, you just get blown out by Clemson, who, by the way, is pretty good this year, unfortunately. I just don't like that. But, um, and maybe you've hit your peak. Maybe this is where you can take NC State. This is Apex Mountain, but you can't take NC State over that hump, which is Clemson. Like, you just can't get past Clemson. And that's, you're sort of at your peak. So do you try to get another job? And you could get a job with Wisconsin, where again, similarly to the Randa conversation, you're in the Big Ten or you're in the SEC. NC State's probably locked into this ACC Pac-12 power conference, which is going to be really fucking weird. Um, And so if you're Dave Doran, do you just jump at that opportunity if allowed? But like I said, I think it would be uninspired. So yeah, I'm going to go with the word. I was like not going to say it. But I would just say that it would be one of those moves that feels very Wisconsin-y, right? Where it's like, okay, you could get an innovative guy in Sean Lewis. If you go back to the well with the Anderson era, but the only good thing with Aranda, Leopold would be obviously the hot name that everybody's talking about. Leonard, you know, the, the basically hometown kid, if you will, uh, the, the guy who stayed in Madison. Like, there's a lot more to sell through with Dave, but Dave Doran doesn't have that sell. I think he's a, a good personality. Like, remember, he was smoking the cigar after beating Clemson last year. Uh, he has a, a nice personality. I think he has a personality more so than what we've seen out of Paul Chris. So I, I do think, like, once he gets on campus, I do think Dave Doran could really sell the program. I'll blow through some of the guys that I just have no interest in. Matt Rule. I just don't know what your game, Matt Rowe. I realize he was so good as a college football coach. I just, 
I have no idea what the second generation of Matt Rule is. Will Matt Rule's second generation be Pete Carroll or will it be, you know, Urban Meyer? Will it be somebody else? Now, I know Urban Meyer won, but he had a lot of issues there. Will What does that look like? Also, by the way, Matt Rule is a Penn State guy. He's a Pennsylvania guy. If James Franklin were to leave for an NFL job or a bigger job, you know, would Matt Rule then bolt right over to Penn State? I, do, do the Badgers really want to deal with that? Matt Campbell... Well, Matt Campbell, what has he done? Like, if you do the Do- Donald Sterling, big old Matt Campbell, what has he done? Yeah, he looks attractive, but that's about it. Like, he can't win a close game to save his fucking life. I don't want anything to do with Matt Campbell. I, I just think Matt Campbell has kind of lost, you know, maybe his entryway into being a top-tier head coach. Like, he's going to have to, you know, have another successful year before people start buying back in. Chris Peterson's an interesting choice. But the guy's never coached in the Midwest. I, what makes you think that he wants to be the head coach of those kinds of Badgers? I actually think Chris Peterson, if Colorado would do it, I think he's a better better idea for the Colorado job. Jamie Chadwell, I like what Jamie Chadwell does at Coastal Carolina. But again, to that point of what has he ever done in the upper Midwest? He's done basically nothing. I'm not into that. Jake Dickert, he's, he's done really well in Washington State. I think I might have mentioned him yesterday. But like... I kind of need to see more. Like that to me is one of those guys where a team has a hot run in the NCAA. It's more of a basketball hire, but a, guy, a team has a hot run in the NCAA tournament and you're like, oh, we got to hire this coach, even though there's really no evidence that this guy is an actual consistent winner. It's just one hot Cinderella run to Sweet 16. That's kind of what Jake Dickert, you know, resembles in my opinion. Uh, Daryl Bevel, absolutely fucking not. Uh, Daryl Bevel is not a head coach. Um, let's just call that out. I mean, he was an interim for the Lions, I believe, in 2020. It didn't really work out that well for him. Um, Mel Tucker, former Badger. I don't know. Are we sure Mel Tucker is good? He got Michigan State to a power, uh, power six game, but I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure on, on Mel Tucker. Thomas Brown, I'd love to have him back with the program. Like I think that would be a great hire for whoever gets the job, but I just don't see him yet as a head coach. Um, Urban Meyer, yeah, you know the deal. No way with with Urban Meyer. Let me know what you think. If there's somebody I missed, uh, feel free to weigh in on social, whether it's Tabbing the Keg Sports on Instagram or Tabbing the Keg on Twitter. So let's chat about it. I'd love to uh, have the discussion today. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers did win yesterday. They fought back. They're down 4-1. They fought back. They win the game uh, in the 10th inning on a Hunter Renfro walk-off. But it is all for naught because the Philadelphia Phillies win three to nothing against the Houston Astros, and the Philadelphia Phillies are your playoff team. And playoffs are set in the National League as well as the American League. It will just be a determination on who is playing where. Uh, it's pretty much all wrapped up. Uh, the, the the crying, everything's up, pretty much over. Like it's there to the point of like it, it doesn't matter too much. Uh, baseball is finally done 161 today 162 tomorrow and these will be meaningless games for the milwaukee brewers you have zach gallon versus eric lauer i'm likely not too many people at the ballpark as the brewers will not be in the playoffs for the first time in five years when you keep winning games there is a expectation that you you're not going to stop right uh, we have not seen a playoff less brewers team since 2017 uh, Craig Councils, I believe that was his first full year. And the Brewers team, you know, kind of hung in there. They were definitely in the mix, um, but they it looked like they were a couple guys away. 
And then that following year, they traded for Christian Yelich, they signed Lorenzo Cain, and the Milwaukee Brewers started their ascent as to one of the best teams in the National League. So what do the Brewers have to do to sort of rectify this? That is something we'll talk about more later this week, probably with Mitch um, as kind of doing a eulogy on the Milwaukee Brewers and how do you fix them? What what it, what are the sort of things to do going forward? But what I want to highlight more is the disappointment and just where this all went wrong for the Brewers. I thought Christian Yelich yesterday spoke like a leader. Um, if you haven't seen his like six minute, basically presser after the game talking about all the different things and basically being accountable and holding himself accountable, holding the team accountable and and saying it wasn't good enough. And that Yelich knows that the last two years have been a real struggle for him. And that I think Yelich gets the fact that the Milwaukee media market is not a rich, highfalutin area. So when you pay a guy $26 million a year, you expect him to produce. And that has not been Christian Yelich for the last two years. It was a little bit better of a year, but still a C plus or B minus performance, especially with the last month of the season. And I thought Yelich really did a good job of highlighting that. But it was interesting to hear Yelich say that the Brewers didn't have an identity this year. And part of that to me feels like a coaching issue. It feels like a coaching staff that did not do a good enough job building these, bringing these guys together. You add that to the Brandon Woodruff discussion about how they added a ping pong table in here and a couple other things in the last month of the season and it really brought us closer together. I don't know why we didn't do that sooner. To me, the Brewers were way too clicky. The Brewers were way too much about themselves and not necessarily about everybody else. And Yelich saying we have to come every day and playoffs are not a given. The Brewers played like they were going to make the playoffs no matter what. And that's why they lost to the Reds so much. That's why they lost to the Pirates. That's why they lost to the Cubs. I mean, not so much the Reds, but both the, the Pirates and the Cubs. You know, the Brewers lost a lot of games that they shouldn't have, right? And hate, and also saying about the hater trade that it's the easy way out. I saw a lot of Padres fans yesterday talk about, oh, A.J. Preller wrecked the Brewers and all this other bullshit. And it's like, I, I love my Padre guys. That Divine Sports Gospel has been kicking ass. But that's so fucking wrong. Like, that is such a upper high-level take where you, if you look into the nitty-gritty of the Milwaukee Brewers, you will find a team who had a lot of issues that went beyond Josh Hader. And you had a lot of me guys in that pitching staff, and Hader was one of them. Eric Lauer has been one of them. Devin Williams, a little bit, has been one of them. Corbin Burns, for sure. The Brewers have an issue, a culture issue with their pitching staff. And I don't know if that's Chris Oak's fault. I don't know if that's Craig Council's fault. I don't know if that's David Stern's fault. I don't know who to point that finger. But it's somebody's fault because they did not seem like guys who were in it for the team. They just seemed like they were in it for themselves. And that's part of the reason why I thought Josh Hader got moved. And to maybe hopefully sort of get out of that. And it did, it did harm. And he, as he out said, it's the easy way out. And he's right. Because it was one thing that went wrong for the Brewers. I think what gets lost in the shuffle is the fact that the Brewers looked pretty competent the couple weeks after the hater sort of malaise left the Brewers. Like after they go 1-5 against the Reds and the Pirates. Or I think it was, yeah, it was 1-5 against the Reds and the Pirates the week after the hater trade. They have one of their toughest stretches of games. They sweep the Tampa Bay Rays. They lose two out of three to the Cardinals. Then they they go two and two against the really, really good Dodgers team. And so they kind of looked apart. Like all of a sudden, it's kind of starting to 
come together a little bit where it's like, all right, this is our new, this is the new version of the Milwaukee Brewers. Then they go out and they lay an egg to the Chicago Cubs on a weird win game on Wednesday. Then they blow the, the Saturday game against the Cubs and they are able to salvage the game on Sunday. But at, at that time, the Cardinals are starting to become a juggernaut and they have this incredible August and they overtake the Brewers. To me, that is the inflection point. August 20th is the inflection. I had people who were like, the Brewers are done. I, they were right, okay? Like, they were absolutely right. Like, they were right to console the Brewers when they did because that is the moment when I think it all went to shit for the Milwaukee Brewers. They had to climb a hill and they just did never get back up. And yet, as Yelich said, it was one step forward, two steps back the entire year. And that was really the identity of the team. Like, it was just that they were not focused. They did not come to play baseball every day. And so the Brewers have a lot of work to do. Craig Council, I don't think, should be the manager of this team. And I'm not saying Craig Council should be fired. Because Craig Council has done a lot for this team. He's done a lot to build this culture. But I think Craig Council is burned out. I think Craig Council is checked out. I don't necessarily know how much Craig Council wants to be here. I do expect there's going to be a story in the next couple days. I know absolutely nothing. Not reporting this. I think you'll have Craig Council stepping down as Brewers manager. And saying he's going to go to the front office or he's going to take some time off. And if he does return, it's going to be the front office. It's not going to be managing baseball. I'm assuming that if he does step down, the Miami Marlins would try to call him and get him down there as you know one of the notable players that the Marlins have had in their franchise history. But that said, I think Council needs needs a couple of years off because I I just looked the part like if you have a, a guy where you say we have no identity, you have the issue of like oh why didn't we add a ping pong table? It's clear that there was some friction right like there were some things going on that these guys didn't necessarily like each other that's okay you don't have to like everybody it doesn't have to be this this unified group but when you have those sort of issues i just start to wonder about like where where are you going forward like how how do you who is that leader of the team i think yelich is a leader i always i thought sometimes he's too soft-spoken to be a leader but I do think he is a leader, but maybe he has to be more vocal next year. And maybe that's something Yelich will look at. And I'm sure conversations with guys like Ryan Braun might help those, those things forward. But the Brewers have to make some major changes. They have to go out and spend money in free agency. They have to you know, appeal to the fan base and work on how do you figure out the concession ticket issue and you know and the the price issue that it seems like every baseball fan is getting priced out. Baseball attendance was way up this year, I believe, and the Brewers did not necessarily feel that windfall. So what does Mark Ananasio do this winter? It is the most I've said said this before. I feel like I'm like a host of the Bachelor Bachelorette where I'm like the most dramatic Bachelor finale ever or something like that. I feel like I do this a lot with the Brewers where I'm like, oh, this is the most important one. I thought last year was extremely important for the Brewers and they kind of swung and missed. This winter is equally important and I think you have to do enough to bring the fans back. And after a disappointing year like this, fans will sort of look at the Brewers, you know, they'll kind of be in the, in the foreground. They'll be like, all right, well, we'll, we'll keep you guys in mind, but we're not going to buy into this team until like July because we're just going to worry that we're going to get hurt again. It was an awful year. It really was. It was not a fun year of baseball. Um, it was one of the worst. I, it's right up there with the Packer 2018 season when McCarthy got fired. Like, it's right 
there. Like if I have to go on like just vibes off the entire year, those two teams are like one and two. Uh, I'd say the last Jason Kidd year also I would throw that into the mix. That would probably be three. I'm trying to think if there's any other seasons that were just kind of miserable like this. Because um, I remember Rodgers' collarbone years where I, I kind of can throw out, right, that he got hurt. And I'm not really – those those years sucked, but they weren't – you know, one of them we made the playoffs. 20, 2013, Sneaky was okay. Um, i trying to think. There's any any other ones that kind of rival that. I mean, when the Bucks tanked Larry Drew year, that was pretty miserable just because it was every game you just knew you were going to lose. The I was too young for the 2003 Brewers when they they only I think only won like 56 games, but that one also could probably rival it. But yeah, man, it it's been. I'm glad it's kind of over, and I'm glad that. I don't have to pretend that this team had to have a chance in the playoffs. I did say once you get in, but I mean, I think they all just want to get away. And I'm sure they'll have fun in their resorts. I'm sure Yelich will take an IG smoke out to Cabo or to Dominican Republic and enjoy his time with them there. All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers and when no one listens to me. I don't pretend to be the voice of Wisconsin sports. I don't have that big of a platform. I hope at some point I do. Um, you know, I, I'm a little older, but I, I do wonder if that moment would ever come. And if it did, how would I handle it? Uh, and that's another story for another time. But no one kind of listened to me or no one believes me in my take that Packers do not have to be great right now. I talked about it on Monday's show. If you missed that, go back and listen um, before you listen to this because it's kind of an addendum to that. Basically, to summarize, if you are lazy and don't want to listen or you forgot already, which I get, we all listen to a lot of podcasts. What I said for those who don't want to listen uh, is that the Packers don't need to be great right now. That it's okay that the Packers are scuffling a little bit and they're three and one and we're not going to apologize for three and one. And I don't think it's a fake three and one and they're doing their job and winning football games. And that, that's all that matters. A lot of people are like concerned about the rookie picks with Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, that they're not what they expected. There are people who think this offense is not moving in the right direction. And it's like, guys, it's four fucking weeks into the season. Haven't we learned our lesson? Haven't we learned our lesson that this takes time? This is not something that just gets solved overnight. What team actually, I said this yesterday, so I apologize for repeating myself, but what team's great? Like, do we, are we really crowning the Eagles who haven't really beat anybody? I, I, are we sure? Like, are we sure that the Eagles are this juggernaut of a football team? Just because everybody had them in their preseason predictions and thought they were fucking cool by zagging in the Eagles and now they're right. So they're like, oh my God, the Eagles. Like, I just think we need to take things at a slower pace. And it's not allowed in today's media. You have to have an opinion about everything. You have to have a take. There is some groupthink that I think develops, especially with the Packer media. I think the Packer media, while there's a lot of people who do a great job, they all start saying the same fucking thing. Like if you look at three or four different Twitter accounts, it's basically a version of that. And so they all get caught in that thinking. And then there are some who like think the organization will not do anything wrong. And those people I think have issues in their own right. So I think that that all sort of conflicts. And that's where I'm on the outside. Like I'm not in that cool guy circle like I'm not and gal I guess too but I, I'm not in that cool cool people circle like they they have me on the outside and that's fine like I I am one of one I'm like Jameis right I'm one of one and so when I look at this and I say all right 
you guys are basically overreacting to four weeks. And one of them were against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whose defense has looked really good. I realize what happened against the Kansas City Chiefs. That Kansas City Chiefs team needed to win that football game. And that Kansas City Chiefs needed to respond. And they made a statement after two weeks where that Chiefs offense didn't look that great. And people were starting to ask questions about what the Chiefs really were. And and so, like, I look at this and I say, okay, there's that. The Vikings game, I think you throw out. Like, I just think it doesn't matter. And when you put those two together, I think it's going to be okay. And I think the Packers are a team that will develop and get better and look better when we hit November. They play Buffalo at the end of, or yeah, at the end of October. I think that is a huge game for everybody. If the Packers get blown out in that game, and they, they won't be favored, and truth be told, I've kind of scheduled that as a loss. I, I will admit to you, I, I also did for Tampa Bay, so I've been wrong about it before. But if they were to lose that game, I'm not going to freak out. But if they're not competitive, if Tampa or if Buffalo, excuse me, you know, goes off and beats them 35 to 14, let's just say, then I have some concerns. Like then I'm like, are you great, right? But I still would wonder. I'd be like, well. Buffalo's a super Buffalo's the AFC team. Like it's an AFC loss. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things when it comes to tiebreakers and other things. But then a month later, you play Philadelphia, similar situation on a Sunday night on the road. If you get beat down by Philly, whose your run defense looks pretty porous, it would worry me against that Eagles run run offense. Then I then I start to worry a little bit because then you're at November, then you're at nut crunching time, right? But you take what they look like. Versus what the Rams look like. The Rams look awful. Like the Rams look like a bad football team. Like I, I don't know if the Rams are going to win nine games. Like I, I really like the Cowboys against the Rams next week. I'll tell you that right now. I think with the way they can't protect Matt Stafford, I don't think Matt Stafford's healthy. Um, he only has Cooper Cup. That's it. Um, I, it's so funny that the the Rams who spent all this money and fuck your draft picks and all this other stuff can't have another goddamn receiver besides Cooper Cup. It's it's absolutely hilarious to me, and I feel no no I do not feel bad for that team. Like I, I really don't. Um, they did deal with the devil last year, and now they're reaping those benefits, which aren't benefits at all. It's we're going to be a shitty football team, and we might not make the, make the actual playoffs this year. 49ers look really good. Like, and I, if we're doing power rankings of the NFC, the 49ers are probably the team I'd put second with the Eagles. And then I think I'd go the Packers and I think I'd go the Cowboys. And that would be my four. And those to me are the best four teams in the NFC. Packers defense is still looks good, even though they've had some issues. Even though there have been some issues, they've been really good at situational stuff, they've been very good on third downs. They've, they've done enough. They just have a couple brain farts a game. And that's the stuff they think needs to get cleaned up. And offensively, it's going to come with time. It's why they should have played in preseason. I think we can all agree on that now. I don't think Aaron Rodgers can deny that. Maybe he will not tell Pat McAfee today, but Aaron Rodgers should have been playing in the preseason. Full on stop. Like that should have been Aaron Rodgers playing in the preseason. But he did. And that's okay. We... We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move forward. Um, but yes, I, I really do believe that the Packers are going to be okay. And that this freak out about Wyatt and Walker, it's like, who, who the fuck did you want otherwise? Yes, you trade up for Christian Watson. Again, Christian Watson barely played in training camp. It's going to take time. Like We just have to, just have to settle down. 
Like the the season's extremely long. It's a, it's longer than it used to be. Like we're not even technically a quarter of the way through. So I look at it right now and I stand by my point that nobody's that great. There are good teams, as we mentioned, the top four in the AFC. I could do the AFC too. It's Buffalo, Kansas City. I think I'd put Miami if Tua is all right with the concussion stuff. Um, and then maybe maybe Cincinnati. Um, but I, I don't feel that great about anybody out of the AFC after, the, after Buffalo, Kansas City. It might be Buffalo, Kansas City and everybody else, honestly. At this point, you now it can change. That stuff, again, and that's the thing. Like, it all can change. Like, we watched San Francisco only score 10 points against the Denver Broncos last week. This week, they their defense looks like juggernauts. Jimmy G looks like he's figured it out. It's amazing that Kyle Shanahan has owned Sean McVay the way he has, and I kind of forgot or ignored it. Uh, I was on the Rams yesterday. And and the only time he hasn't is the playoffs. It's, it's kind of incredible that that's, that's sort of the one time the San Francisco did not beat LA, and that's the one time they needed it the most. Like, because San Francisco, Cincinnati, I think the 49ers win the Super Bowl. And that'll stick with them, just like it, with the Packers. If you beat the 49ers, you'll probably be in the Rams, and you're probably in the Super Bowl. But it didn't happen that way, and the cookie didn't crumble that way. So we'll have to see. But I, I think you have to take things week by week. And yes, you're playing the Giants, whose defense is okay. Who will not have an offense? It might be Davis Webb. They might not have any wide receivers. You should go out and pound them, and that should be a statement game. And hopefully, it is for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, before we wrap up, it is a longer show. I do do something on an all-time fuck up uh, with Chuck with Chuck's Corner. If you're unfamiliar with Chuck's Corner, it's kind of a a free space for me. Um, sometimes to talk about my life. Sometimes to talk about other things going on. Sometimes to talk about things in the city of Milwaukee like we had with this cop story. So cops put out their flavor forecast for the month of October. Um, if you're unfamiliar with cops, frozen custard place, great, absolute must stop in Milwaukee. Um, but I'm assuming most of you are familiar with it. Cops put out their flavor forecast. They said, celebrate these days. And they're like Halloween and like National Pumpkin Day and all sorts of bullshit. You know, those fake fucking holidays that just look good on social media. One of them was National Pro-Life Day, Pro-Life Cupcake Day, um, where basically it is you have a discussion about abortion and pro-life with a cupcake, and they use their flavor called Hey Cupcake. Now, this was a complete mix-up. I understand how it happened. I know people are like deep in their conspiracy, but those are the people who spend way too much time on the fucking internet and Facebook and just need to take a break and go outside. But I think they're also scared to go outside. So all they do is spend time on their fucking computer. Because I think what happened was it was probably a like special events coordinator or a social media coordinator or someone who basically is just starting out after college. And he or she like looked at all these different you know holidays and didn't think to look up what National Pro-Life Cupcake did. And you're like, Charlie, how would they not know that is abortion based? Some people aren't as like clued into everything in, in society, right? Like some people just live a very sort of head in the sand life. And maybe they just have not had that discussion. Maybe they are asexual and they haven't thought about it. Maybe they just, it's not something they've talked about, right? And, and I know that's hard for a lot of people to believe, but I truly, truly believe 
It's an honest mistake because Hey Cupcake is a cop's flavor that they've used a lot. And it's something that's in their normal rotation. I just feel bad. Like, I, I really do. Like, I, I think there was just a clear fuck up. I don't think cops should be canceled. I don't think cops support abortion. Um, if you go to the voting records, because that's what people do when this type of stuff happens, the only t- people that they've donated money to, the family, that is, they donated to Tom Barrett. Okay. So, like, I don't know, man. Like, this is not, it's not something worth canceling cops over. All right. It's a fucking mistake. It happens. We all make mistakes. The internet doesn't believe that. That's why I hate cancel culture. I really do. Because I, I think there are stuff that is worthy of like, all right, yeah, we shouldn't bring this person back to, you know, mainstream. Alec Baldwin, great example. You know, the guy, I think, shot somebody on stage or on set, and I think he's going to get charged for murder. I really do. That, those type of people should be canceled. But to get canceled for a mistake that was not intentional, uh, they've never once, you know, spoken out against pro-life. Like, you know, they're not Chick-fil-A. They're not Hobby Lobby. Like, they, they are not... They're not that group. But instead, we jump all over their throat. And then the statement wasn't good enough because it's like they didn't speak out for abortion rights. Well, guess what? They're fucking custard place. They want everybody to come eat their custard. They don't want, you know, one side of the table to feel slighted. So I I think it's exactly what they should have done. And that was a great statement, in my opinion, honestly. So I feel bad for cops. Um, that sucks. Um, you know, maybe go buy some custard if they're, they are, you know, suffering from cancellation. Maybe it's an excuse to go out and get custard this week. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good week. We will be back tomorrow. Sorry, the podcast got up late. That's my dog's fault. Um, so, and yes, I know that's like my dog ate my homework, but no, seriously, I went down twice and she barked both times. So got to work on that. I got to get better. I'll be back tomorrow. Mitch and I back in, back in the mix uh, for Thursday. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.